Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our next guest on the Fly the W podcast is the voice of the Iowa Cubs, your AAA affiliate, radio TV broadcaster, Alex Cohen. How are you doing, Alex? Doing great. How are you, Clara? I'm doing all right, man. It's, uh, you know, I'm looking here and uh, you guys had a big, uh, big victory last night, huh? Yeah, yeah, one nine to three, and yeah, we're we're a team that prior to this road trip we lost yeah sixteen out of nineteen when it comes to road games, and yeah, won three out of four against Louisville, and yeah, the the artist formerly known as Clint Frazier, Jackson Frazier, had a two run double to start things off uh, in the first inning, and Darius Silas at four hundred and seventeen Triple A games uh, had three hits, and Narciso Crook, who's been one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball. Over the last month, that three hits. So all the guys are you're expecting to do well right now who have been playing well, played well. And that really played into a 9-3 to three win for the I-Cubs. So the I-Cubs are part of the International League and, and International League West more specifically. You're at a 33-36 and 36 record. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at records in minor leagues, we've talked to the single-A guys, double-A guys. I, I pay more attention to the records in single and double-A than triple-A because of the amount yeah. of movement that goes up and down. You don't really have like – a cohesive team that for the most part stays no. together. So many transactions. Um, as far as this team is concerned, and especially with the Cubs right now, because you have, you don't, you know, there's so many guys that constantly, we've had so many injuries and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. has just been constant movement. Uh, how do you see that affect in the team? I mean, where it really impacts the Iowa Cubs is with starting pitching. And with the Cubs, you know, bringing up guys like Mark Leiter and Adrian Sampson, you know, over the course of a three or four day stretch, right there, you lose two of your starters. So you have to backfill it with bullpen guys. So now you're throwing, instead of one bullpen day a series, you're throwing three bullpen days a series. So it's really a trickle down effect for the pitching staff. Yeah, we've actually been lucky. Brandon Lebrand, uh, a couple of days ago, threw our first quality start. He was a spot start. So, yeah, first quality start of the year came from a spot start. Then Matt Dermody, who was a reliever his entire career, went five innings on Wednesday. And then he had wide short yesterday, uh, who made his third start of his career, 181 appearances, and his first AAA start. He started yesterday and threw four innings, gave up just one run. So it's really just a pish posh of of starters and spot starters for the I-Cubs when you have guys like Mark Leiter Jr. and Adrian Sampson and Connor Menez and Caleb Killian going up and down between the big leagues. It, it just results in some pitching staff instability, which you know, most certainly affects wins and losses at the AAA level. You know, the one thing I always wonder about, and we talk about the Iowa shuttle, you know, where these guys kind of keep going back and forth. Yeah, the I-80 shuffle, three turns, 370-some miles. Yep. Yeah, I always think about, you know, let, let's take in uh, uh, Mark Leiter or let's take in Alfonso Rivas, who was up and then down. 
how much time do you think they spent working on mechanical issues and how much time do you think they spend working on maybe mental issues if it was a struggle? Yeah, I think when you get down to AAA from the big leagues, it's a nice reprieve. You can work on everything. It's cumulative. You know, with Rivas coming down here, especially a lot of it was mechanical, just watching him during batting practice and seeing him work on different things. And then in the game, his one or two strike approach in, in contrast to a 3-0 approach or a 2-1 approach, it's not what you see up in the big league. So he is most certainly working on mechanical issues and – just pace when it comes to hitting like a lot of it is on the field for him uh, and I think it's also the same with lighter it's just pitch execution um, and, and Caleb Killian when it comes down here he's going to work on trying to pound the zone and you know when it comes to dealing with mental issues I, I think that every player at any level deals with that when they're going through a mental rut and a confidence rut and yeah, is it easier to do that at a triple-A level and a double-A level and a single-A level rather than in front of 40,000 people at Wrigley Field? Of course. But I think the majority of the time when the guys come down there, uh, they're working on you know physical adaptations and you know trying to you know manipulate what they're doing during batting practice and translating it into what they're doing it during the game. So I, I think it's a lot of you know physical repeating, going through some things, experimenting with some things physically um, that they wouldn't be able to do in front of 40,000 people on a game on Fox or Apple plus or, or anything like that. Now uh, the Cub fans up here have not been happy because, you know, I know about Jason Hayward getting the amount of starts. People really want to see Nelson Velasquez. He got to uh, have an opportunity the other day. He had a great double. I don't know if you saw that Javi Baez slide. Yeah, it was just yeah. amazing. But uh, tell me about a little bit about Nelson Velasquez and what you saw when he was down in AAA. I mean, he's the human tool. I mean, he's like not in like a negative like tool, like personality way. Like he runs fast. He hits the ball far. And what's the other one? He runs fast, hits the ball hard uh, and he can field. So, I mean, like he just everything that you would imagine out of a five tool player he can have. And it's raw. I mean, the strikeouts are still there and um, there's still some swing and miss in his game. But I mean. He's got probably 65 speed. He's got a 65 arm. He's got 65 power. I mean, that, that's something that doesn't just grow off of trees. It is a very raw, raw, uh, raw prospect tool shit when it comes to Nelson Velasquez. I mean, my comparison to him is Yoenis Cespit as light. And I'm not even meaning that as a diss. I, I think that he has the capability to – lead Major League Baseball in outfield assists while also swiping 20 bases while also hitting 25 to 30 home runs. I mean, he's got that type of potential. I'd like to see more of it personally. And uh, another one that uh, has stayed around for a little bit is Brandon Hughes, uh, mm -hmm. reliever for the Cubs. What did you see from Brandon when he was down there? I, I mean, I love the profile. I mean, a guy who was drafted as a center fielder and not only made the transition to a pitcher, but he did it later in his professional career. He actually spent the first year and a half as an outfielder, it was a pretty good one. He was like a 260 hitter, and they were just like, you know what, you're a decent player, but if you want to make it to the big leagues, you've shown a good arm in the outfield. Um, you didn't even pitch in college, but you've shown a good arm in the outfield. We're going to make you a pitcher. And for somebody to be able to, one, do that, and then three years later make it to the big leagues and put up a, you know, we're on a three ERA on a team that's struggling, I mean, he is just, he's a different breed. He's so focused. He's smart. Um, he doesn't overcomplicate things. His stuff's pretty good and will only get better. Um, I mean, you look at a guy that, you know, two years removed from being an outfielder, throwing 92, 93 with good secondary pitches, very precise. He didn't pitch in high school. He didn't pitch in college. He just started pitching in pro ball. So to have that type of repertoire and be able to throw strikes like that at the big league level, I mean, it is 
it's so impressive to me just seeing that yeah him being able to do that with with guys who have been pitchers their entire lives not having as much command on the strike zone as Brandon Hughes does been pitching for 48 months so I I give him the ultimate amount of credit it's really impressive now, not only do you guys have the prospects that are down there, but you also have a lot of major league players come through on rehab assignments. Yep. Uh, how does that affect the clubhouse when the big leaguers come in and kind of kind of get to uh, you know hang out with them a little bit? You know, I, I think it's all a positive, um, aside from the fact that if you have too many big leaguers at one time, it takes away from some of the playing time of the regulars. But if you have one or two down, I think it really helps. It brings a big league mentality to the locker room just by the way that they get out on the field for early work and take batting practice and going through their pregame routine. What I see most is with early batting practice, like David Bodie you know, was always the first person in the locker room, first person out on the field. Well, with the times that David Bodie was out on the field at two o'clock, you would see then three players join him, then four players join him, then the entire you know right side of the infield and the outfield joins him. I think it's really you know, a motivation effect. Like, hey, if this is David Bodie, he's here in Iowa. He doesn't want to be here, but he's out on the field, ninety-six degrees. It's two o'clock in the morning. We can do that too, as guys who have not been up to the big leagues and don't have that credibility yet. So, um, I think it's definitely a motivation tool for them. Um, but I do think that, like, let's say you have three or four rehabbers at one time and they're occupying, you know, half the spots in the lineup. It does take away from some of the, the regulars and their playing time and their routine. But I, but I do think that one or two rehabbers at a time is great. And, and it was interesting with Bodie down there because when he, when he first got on that rehab assignment, it didn't look too good. He had some dizzy spells. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, after, after he took a little bit of a breather or whatever, he comes out and he's hitting lights out. Do you, you know, any insight into any of what was going on there? Nothing. I mean, I, I think that David's just been experimenting with some things physically. Like he was wearing glasses his first major league rehab stint, um, and that didn't help. And then his second major league rehab stint, he wasn't. So he's been dealing with some equilibrium issues and trying to get settled and even keeled. And um, I think that just taking the, the what, seven to ten days off and making sure that he was checked out, you know, neurologically, gastrointestinally uh, by major doctors saying that, hey, you're okay, you know, physically, like there's no life altering issues. Now we'll try to figure out what's going on with you, but you're able to go play. I think that was a nice settling factor for him to be able to go down to Iowa and really be settled in and just be the David Bodie that we've become accustomed to in 2018 and 2019. I still think that he can be that player. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, if you see the contract, he's making $3 million a year, you know, five years, 15 million, and you will get value out of that as a guy who can play second, play third, can, you know, fill in in the outfield, can fill in at short. Um, And what we saw from a hitting perspective is ability to drive and run and ability to hit the ball to all fields. I mean, he drove in 10 runs in six games. One was a, you know, a triple down the right field line and then a basis clearing double down the right field line. Then he roped a couple singles up the middle. So um, he's a guy who's using all fields. He's an experienced hitter. Um, and somebody has been part of that clubhouse for the last five years. And I think that he could really help right now this transitional phase for the Cubs just with his versatility and his ability to hit the all fields. Three guys that are, I would consider blue chip prospects down there. You know, you know, you mentioned one of them, Clint Jackson Frazier going by Jackson. Yeah. Now that was one that Cub fans were confused because he never seemed to really get playing time. And then he yeah. had the appendix issue and, and and then he was DFA'd right before he gets to New York, which he, I know he was so excited yeah, about, right. you know, what, what do you see with him now this time around now that he accepted the assignment back in Iowa? There's a fire there. There is, you know, he came down and, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't like that during his major league rehab, but, you know, you see him during batting practice, it's a purpose. You see him during, you know, individualized fielding drills, base running drills at the early part of a series. I mean, there's a fire there. When he steps into the batter's box, 
Um, there's a different type of incentive there. There's a, there was a kick in the backside for Clint. I'm not saying that he needed that because you know, I think that he's a big, big league outfielder. I think, you know, David Ross said that he's a big league outfielder just from a caliber standpoint, but um, you know, he had an RBI double yesterday. He had three hits the other day and you could see why Jackson Frazier was the fifth overall draft pick a handful of years ago. I mean, he's somebody that the hit tool, the hand speed, it's there. Um, he was in left field. He was in right field over the last two games. He actually made two diving catches. So everybody talks about the defense being a struggle. I mean, he's been great since he's been back here. So um, I think that Clint Jackson Frazier um, is a big league caliber outfielder. And I, I think that, yeah, everyone's making a big deal of the Jackson Frazier issue. Well, yeah, he came up to me like three days ago. I was just like, hey, you know, and very politely, very candidly, it's just like, hey, my friends and family back at home called me Jackson my entire life. I've always wanted to go by Jackson. Can you do that? It's not that uncommon. No. Yeah, we're, we're playing the Louisville Bats, and the Louisville Bats have a player, uh, Robbie Tenerowitz, who I actually knew from the uh, – Te- not the Toronto Blue Jays, the, the Tampa Bay Rays organization. You know, he's on my team in Bowling Green. He now goes by Bird Tenerowitz, B-Y-R-D. Yeah, that was just his nickname. That's just what he wants to go by, and he goes by it. So it's really not that uncommon, and, and people are really jumping on it. It's just like... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's his middle name. It's on his birth certificate. Like, let let the guy be. You whatever you want to be called, whatever. I don't yeah. just hit home runs, buddy. That's all yeah, I care about. <laughs> yeah, just, just go seven for 15 with four runs batted in over a four-game stretch. I don't care. Yeah, um, and then the other guy that uh, Blue Chick Prospect I think about is uh, Caleb Killian, who was acquired in the Chris Bryant trade. And, uh, you know, everyone was excited. And what I told people, you got to temper that excitement. The big leagues are tough. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it didn't help him that his defense the last outing didn't help. But the one thing that concerned people is just the – uh, walk to strikeout issue because he always was a guy that seemed to ha- really not have uh, control issues. Yeah. Uh, did, were you able to watch any of his big league starts? I know you have your own games to call, but did no, you ever I, take a look at- I do. And he had, I'm not saying he had control issues here, but the walk rate was a little bit higher. So if you look at his last year's stats, he went like 13 walks and a hundred plus innings. It was, it was insane. And then this year he was a right around the league average when it came to walk rate um, at the AAA level Then up in the big leagues, obviously that gets magnified a little bit because you try to get a little bit more fine with your cutter, you grip the ball a little bit harder. And it just seemed like a case of him overthrowing a little bit. Um, being you know, a 24-year-old making your big league debut on a big scale and trying to be fine and perfect and precise with every pitch. And naturally, when you try to do that, it doesn't happen that way. So I think Caleb coming down here and, and trying to get more command of his secondary pitches. Um, I, I think that he's, he's able to establish that, establish the cutter, establish, you know, establish the curveball then the fastball command will come. Because even you saw during his last outing, uh, last inning, he was able to command the fastball, just got hit a little bit. Um, so I think it's him just pitching off the secondaries. And his you know, cutter was ranked one of the best in the Giants system before he got traded for Chris Bryant. When he got to the AFL, you know, Arizona Fall League, his cutter was tremendous. And then you combine that with a 97, 98-mile-per-hour fastball, um, he'll be fine. I mean, there, there's struggles that come with – Young pitchers in the big league, especially Killian, who has like two years professional baseball experience. I'm not overly concerned about it. 
And then the one that all Cub fans are concerned about, we were so excited about the prospect of Brennan Davis coming mm -hmm. up. And, and you know, obviously, the, you know, when you get into AAA, can, obviously every time you jump up, it's going to be guys that have better stuff. And you, yeah. you figured, okay, he's struggling a little bit to start off, but he's going to get it going. And then all of a sudden, it is this bizarre injury. Uh, could you tell that something was off or wrong when he was Yeah, there? I, I don't think that it was a bizarre Bizarre injury is tough just because, like, it's a back injury. You really don't know what, like, the ill effects of that are. End up having back surgery. But it wasn't something that you could, like, physically see. So, I guess um, it was a little bit surprising. Like, there was no, like, noticeable limp. There was no, like, certain play that kind of precipitated that type of injury. But, um, no, you could tell that, you know, he would bend down and pick up a ball and it was a little bit slower. Um, and his reaction time on the base pass was a little bit slower. Um, his reaction time in the batter's box is a little bit slower. So I think, as I said, it was a cumulative effect for Brendan. And yeah, I talked to manager Marty Peavy about it. And he, he let us know that like, this is something that you know, wasn't as serious in spring training, but he was battling it in spring training. So to be to battle an injury and then come here and start in 36 degree Buffalo. And that doesn't really get the body warming up anyway, either. So, you know, you get mired in a one for 14 slump and it kind of spirals, but you could tell when we were in St. Paul when playing uh, his last games this year in May um, that something wasn't right. And he was trying to battle through it. And it's better right now at, at 22, 23 years old to nip that in the bud. You know, they say that it might not be season ending surgery. But if it is like you want Brendan Davis to be playing in the big leagues at 24, 25, 26, the 34, 35, 36 years old with the Chicago Cubs. So that means having a back surgery, cleaning things up at the age of 22 and making sure that he plays again in 2023. I'm fine with that. I still think that he's a big league caliber player. I think he's a middle of the order hitter. Remember last year when he made his debut against us, he had a home run in not just his first at-bat, but his first two at-bats. He had four home runs in his first four AAA games. That's the type of player that he can be, and that's the type of player I think he will be. Now, we all know that the trade line trade deadline comes end of, end of July, early August, and, and who do you see getting the call-up to the big leagues that are currently on the Iowa roster? Yeah, I'll go right with the bullpen just because you have a lot of experienced bullpen arms up in the big leagues that have actually had really good years. You know, David Robertson's had a really good year. Chris Martin's been good recently. Michael Givens has been good recently. Um, you know, if you can get Daniel Norris healthy, like he could be a trade ship. But uh, I'm looking at two bullpen arms in particular who who I think will make an appearance up in the big leagues if they stay healthy. Uh, one is Ben Leeper, a top 30 prospect guy who was a non-drafted free agent out of Oklahoma State. Yeah, I call him Craig Kimbrell light. I mean, he's got the orange hair, the orange beard. He's a little bit less broad than Craig Kimbrell, but high octane, 96 to 97 miles per hour with a wipeout slider. He is the perfect two-pitch sequence to be a back end of a bullpen guy up in the big leagues for a long time. Just has to stay healthy. He's a guy who's had arm uh, issues in college, but you know they sidelined him for three weeks here just to give him a little bit of a rest and a reset, and he came back, and he's throwing BBs, like 96 to 97 consistently, good control. Uh, ben Leeper is a really, really, really good AAA arm who is a guy who could be a back end of the bullpen arm in the big leagues if it all goes well. So he'd be one. And the other one would be Eric Ullman, a former fourth-round draft pick for the Cubs. He was a former starter. They made him into a full-time reliever last year. And, and it's weird. He still has the the starting pitcher arsenal. He throws five different pitches, but he's just so much more aggressive in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, he's had three saves for us over the last week. Um, he's a guy who can throw 95, 96 when he wants to, but he can cut it. He can slide it. He can throw, you know, 12 to six curveball. He's got a nice change up. And, you know, he's a guy who's just, he's an ox. I mean, you look at him broad shoulders. He looks like a starting middle linebacker in football. He's a beast. Um, and he's somebody who, 
you put him in a tough situation, he'll get you out of it, or he'll give you the best situation to get you out of it. If he loses games, it's because the hitters are just executing. He will never beat himself. He'll throw strikes, and that's just something what you need up in the big leagues. So um, I think Eric Ullman would be one. I think Ben Lieber would be two. Um, not in any specific order, but I think they'll both be up in the big leagues and, and pay dividends for the big league club for a long time. One thing I love about Wrigley Field is you never know who you bump into. And I got to bump into you right. the other day outside of Wrigley Field. Yeah. And you got to make an appearance on Marquee. Tell me about that. It was awesome. Uh, so we had an off day. Um, we were actually flying from Toledo slash Detroit to Des Moines. And we were flying through Chicago. So um, I kind of just overstayed my welcome a little bit. Um, stepped off the plane. Um, one of my best friends from college lives in Chicago. So I got to see my friend Ryan and his uh, one-year-old big-time baseball fan son Camden. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then I just contacted Marquis saying that I'd be in town, and they were just so gracious. Uh, they were awesome. They were just you know, saying we'd love to have you on our pregame show, talk with Cole, talk with Cam, um, you know, and, and then go on the broadcast with, with Boog and JD. I mean, they they rolled out the red carpet for me, what it felt like, and it just it was such a welcoming feeling, and I loved it. And I had never been in the Wrigley Field press box uh, before I've never been in a big league, uh, you know, TV radio booth before, you know, I'm gone on air while doing it. So, um, it was a really cool moment just being with Boog and JD and then looking out, you know, in the middle of the fourth inning, cause I went on with them in the fourth inning and just seeing like a packed bleachers Wrigley field with like cool cotton candy cloud skies. And I had to take a deep breath. I'm like, Holy crap, this is awesome. And just Wrigley field is such a special place. Like I've been to 23 major league baseball stadiums. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on a Cubs podcast with you, Crawley. I'm saying that because the old stadiums have a certain mystique and Wrigley field has that mystique when you it kind of takes your breath away. It really does. Now, if you were telling the Cub fan who's never been to Iowa, why they should show up to principal park, what would you say? It is the perfect minor league AAA experience. And there's some AAA ballparks that are newer and nicer constructionally. Like if you look at Charlotte, you have the complete skyline and the background of it for the Charlotte Knights. And, I mean, that's cool. But I'm a purist of a baseball fan. If you're looking for a pure AAA, family fun, packed house, fans cheering type of experience – you want to go to the Iowa Cubs. You want to go to Des Moines, and you want to go to Principal Park because that, in my opinion, uh, and I've been to a lot of AAA ballparks, I've been to a lot of minor league ballparks, that right there, a Friday night at Principal Park with fireworks afterwards is what minor league baseball is. It's the pure definition of it. And I kind of wrote down a couple of the cool promotional days that you guys coming up. Yeah. Friday, July 1st is a citizenship ceremony. And yeah. my mom and my grandparents uh, became citizens of this country. And so nice. I think that's awesome that you guys, uh, immigrants uh, that are going to get uh, their citizenship, take the oath yeah. pregame. And I think that's really cool, especially 4th awesome. of July weekend. You can't beat that. Thursday, July 14th, you have Christmas in July. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be some fun. I know the kids love Saturday, July 18th, Marvel Defenders of the Diamond. Yeah. You got Avenger-themed jerseys and Thor and Spider-Man right. are going to be there. And then uh, tell me about Saturday, July 17th, Outdoors Night, Hike to the Ballpark. Yeah, so we have a couple um, a couple sponsors uh, for people who love to fish and love to bike and, and, and love to hunt and Y'all, they'll come down to the ballpark and you know, all those representatives from those stores will throw out a first pitch. It's really fishing, fishing laden where you'll, you'll be able to walk into the ballpark and see all this new fishing equipment. Um, you'll see pictures. There's a lot of artwork when it comes to you know, people who go fishing and they sell that. 
Um, and, and then if you, you know, if you like the outdoors, if you like doing things outdoors, if you like hiking, you like swimming, you like fishing, you like hunting, come on down to the ballpark uh, because there'll be ways for you to get involved, whether it's a raffle or whether it's uh, tickets and it, it, it's a lot of fun. I'm not that much of a hiker. I mean, as you can tell by my natural physique, I'm more of just like a stroller and a walker, but um, I love to swim and, you know, I, I like to fish sometimes. So I'll enjoy that night. And then Sunday, August 7th and Saturday, August 27th, the Iowa Cubs become the Demonios, which right. have a really awesome Jersey and hat. And I've seen a lot of people buy those. So yeah. that's gotta be, that's always a fun, I like when they change it up a little bit, you know? Well, I do too. And, and it's part of minor league baseball's initiative started in 2019 um, to, to really try to influence the Latinx community and coming down to the ballpark and, um, you know, in years past before that, I mean, there's there's a Latinx community when it comes to the baseball players and they want to feel at home in the ballpark. And what we learned is Latinx you know, people and players and those in the community, they love baseball. They just don't often come to games. Yeah, they, and, and we really love integrating that. The Demonios did Des Moines. The Demonios were an old moniker for, you know, they were formerly the Iowa Cubs. They were formerly the Iowa Oaks. Well, before that, they were the Demonios de Des Moines or the Des Moines Demons. Um, so we really like the, the lineage when it comes to that. Um, but it's really cool. We have mariachi bands, we have taco trucks. Uh, I'm a big taco truck fan. Oh. So I, I really enjoy can't, can't beat a good taco from a taco truck. Um, so I really like the Demonios did We have, um, we have four yeah, Copa games this year. Um, our last one's on September 16th. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, one that I'm looking forward to this Tuesday, it's one of two, it's dog days. It's not just your dollar hot dogs. It's you could bring your pooch to the ballpark. It'll be my dog, Jax's first time at the ballpark. They do a little puppy parade before the game. I feel bad for the stadium operations crew as to follow each dog with a bag in hand so they don't you know, poop on the pitcher's mound or anything. But um, I love it. I just love all the stuff that goes along with minor league baseball. It just it makes the thing so much fun. It's a blast. Alex, where can people find you on Twitter and where can they catch the Iowa Cubs games? Yeah, well, uh, hopefully you uh, you follow at Iowa Cubs first and foremost, uh, you know, where we can you post highlights, you post schedules, you post promotional schedules as well. Um, you can find me at, at Voice of Cohen, V-O-I-C-E-O-F-C-O-H-E-N. Uh, if you want to send me a direct email, it's alexc at iowacubs.com. And, uh, and yeah, just uh, you can listen to us on AM 940 in the Des Moines area. Actually, our signal goes out up to Minneapolis, out to Kansas City, and out to Omaha. So it's a statewide web. And uh, if you're looking to watch Iowa Cubs games on MILB TV, we have, yeah, I think, the best production staff in the entire country when it comes to that. I think Justin Walters does a great job. He's our you know, director of creative services, along with Matt Evers. And um, I, I think they, they do a really good job. And I think that our, our broadcast, not just, you know, play by play, which you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, but just the camera angles and the promotional crew, I think they do a tremendous job. Alex, I appreciate you jumping on and we'll do it again in the future. Let's do it. Thanks so much, Carly. I appreciate it. Take care.